All right, Psalm 119. All right, when we get there, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you, and we're family here. And as we start, as we dive into studying your word, and we deal with things from your word and things that are going on in society, Lord, this is the time when we need to discuss these things. So, Father, I pray that we'll have your mind and that we'll remember that our primary responsibility is to represent you in the world. And, uh, Lord, I pray that, um, that we will do that well. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> so, I don't want to spend, and I, and I won't, the next two months... Uh, talking about politics and the election and things, but coming right off of uh, the primary, I'm sorry, the uh, the conventions, and also uh, because of our text, I just felt like it was appropriate to deal with some things. I, I do want to add a, a, just a little caveat to what I said this morning about masks and things like that. Um, I do think that it's, I, I don't believe that the government should be able to require us to wear something. Um, an individual business, if they want to require masks for you to shop in that business, that's their right to do that. And then it's up to us whether or not we shop in that place. Um, it's, uh, it's not right to go into a business and cause trouble. It's not your business. What, what the Black Lives Matter people are doing to the people that are sitting in a restaurant just trying to eat, how many of you would not like it if they came up and did that to you? Well, it's not right for us to go into a store and disrupt that store. We just can choose whether or not we want to shop there. Now, especially for smaller privately owned places. Some of the corporate places, um, you can make yourself known in different ways. But um, I just wanted to, to add that. I did say it, it's, it's personal freedom. If somebody believes that it's helpful for them to wear the mask, then wear the mask. That doesn't bother me at all. Now, if you see somebody wearing a mask alone in their car, that's an IQ test. Because I think they're afraid they're going to make themselves sick. Which they probably will if they can't exhale. Brilliant people. Um, but I just want to make sure that, that I'm clear on that. I would challenge all of you to go to the CDC website and read what they say about masks that there is no evidence that this helps. That's from the CDC. So if somebody's, you know, they look at you like you're a serial killer because you don't want to wear a mask, you can just refer them to the CDC website. Um, I really try never to just stand up here and give opinions about these things. I try to research it and have the information before I stand up. And if I thought that masks would help us in here, I would, I would recommend that. I would never demand that. I can't tell you people what to wear. And Matt Holsclaw's thinking, you make me wear a tie to play the guitar up here? Um, I suppose in certain cases we do. But uh, you all follow what I'm saying? It's just there's, there's not evidence for it. The other thing that I want you all to do, how many of you have relatives that are really worked up that, about the COVID thing? Right, and, and in a way that, that they're, it's fear, their fear. Um, really just try to speak the truth to them. Let them know that only 6% of the COVID deaths are COVID alone. And, you know, it's not fun, 
If you get it, it like Wade, you know, he was just talking about he was miserable. It, it's not fun, but it, you just get sick and then you get over it. it. So I think I had it in December and it was nowhere near when I got para, a parasite or many in Mexico one time. And my fever was so high, I was delirious and having hallucinations. And it, it was, this was nothing like that. So when people are fearful, just try and, and help them. Amen? Just try and help them. Be armed with the truth. Be armed with the truth. And I will say this out loud. The schools making the kids wear masks is, is abusive. It's abusive. And talk to the dentists. People are coming into the dentist with all kinds of problems because people are wearing these masks too long. It's not healthy. It's not good. It's not right. And every one of you parents that have kids in a school that's requiring them to wear masks, um, I would almost turn into the Black Lives Matter protesters. You know, we don't behave that way, but I'm telling you, if, if all the parents came in who have sense and just said no, um, what are they going to do? So, like I said, I was either in Sunday school or in church this morning. If 70 million Christians went to church, what are they going to do? Amen? I mean, we have so much power, but we are... Now, part of it is we want to obey authority. But there's a, there's a balance in our society between obeying authority and being the government. We are. We are the government. Y- y'all understand what I'm talking about here? We don't have to follow their mandates when they're unbiblical and unscriptural. I'm sorry, unbiblical and unconstitutional. We don't have to follow. And, and like we always say, uh, an unconstitutional order is no order at all. And so let's uh, just have courage. Amen? Um, I did want to tell you about uh, my ex- our experience in Colorado. Now, Colorado used to be a great place to go, and, you know, the liberals are really taking over there now. And so we were in Breckenridge, Colorado, and which is a beautiful place, and we enjoyed being there. But they had this uh, city ordinance that when you were in this particular area outside that you had to wear masks. Can you imagine mandating masks outside? In the mountains, you know, where there's breeze and clean air. And so we were required to wear masks in a certain area. And so I was walking into town from our uh, hotel. We stayed in a hotel for the first couple of nights. Then we had rented a, a condo for the next two weeks. And so I was walking into town, and I wasn't inside the, that area yet. And a lady's walking toward me. And, she, and I use the term loosely. But she said, uh, she kind of slid down. Do you have a mask? I said, yes. Can you put it on? No. I said, we're outside. She said, it's, it's the law. I said, no, it's not. It's the law. I, no, no, it's not. I said, you can walk over there if you want to. And boy, she cussed me. And I had this thought. I almost said, ma'am. You obviously believe in equality. Would you like for me to treat you like a man? Because you men, if somebody got in your face screaming at you and threatening you, what would you do? It's interesting, isn't it? 
I'll bet she was not for equality at that moment, but I didn't do that. I just said, you liberals, where's the love? I thought that you were kind and accepting of other people's ideas and diverse. Oh, man, that made her even matter. She's cussing me. And so she's walking up the hill, and for almost two blocks, I just yelled after her all of these things about kind liberals and just stood there in the sidewalk screaming. The, these people are crazy. We, so we moved into our condo, so we had to get some groceries, so we go to the grocery store. And uh, Jacob and I wear glasses, and so we had our mask down just a little bit so we can see, right, because it fogs it all up. So this guy walks up to me and uses real in my face like this. So apparently he wasn't too worried about the mask. And he uses an expletive, calls me names, because my mask wasn't high enough. Now... I'm 57 years old. I can count on less than the fingers on one hand the number of physical confrontations I've had in my life, you know, after high school, you know. How many of you men, it's kind of that same way. It just, it doesn't. So this is, this is three times since COVID started. And so this guy gets in my face and, and All I could think of to say was, you'd better get out of my face right now. And he just kind of gives me the eye and starts to walk away. Well, we're checking out, and I'm just standing off to the side while Laura's doing a self-checkout at the grocery store. And this guy was in the next self-checkout, and Jacob's standing next to Laura, and the guy gets his little basket thing and pushes through Jacob. Jacob's not in his way. He intentionally ran into him. And so I stood, I just kind of stepped out into his, into his path and he lowered his shoulder and came and bowled into me to try and knock me down. So I threw him across the room. <laughs> Next thing he know, he was in the air flying six or eight feet lands on all fours, and all of a sudden, he wasn't interested in confrontation anymore. <laughs> she would. I guarantee you, she would. Folks, I don't know where all this stuff is going, but people are crazy. And see, we had determined that we didn't want to fight and argue the whole time we were there. So we were going to wear masks any place they asked us to. We were going to do that, not cause trouble. And people are just crazy with this. And so here's the the question that I would have. Why does someone think they have the authority to confront you about your mask? If it's six feet, how about you just stay six feet away and then don't worry about it? That's interesting, isn't it? But it's this conformity. And there's this this thing that's happening. And young people, when I talk about this being in the young people, I'm not talking about you guys. It's this movement that's going on in the country right now. Where these pampered and spoiled children, they really believe that they have sovereignty over you. 
and that they have the right to your things. They have the right to your space. They have the right to overrule your personal sovereignty. Your personal, your personal things. They believe that they have the right to do that. And that's the idea of a group walking into a restaurant and assaulting people. I was on the phone with Dalton Robertson today. He said, what would you do? He said, I'm going to talk with our church. What, what would you do if you were in a restaurant and that happened? Well, I would challenge every man in the restaurant to stand up and take care of it. Because whether you agree with the sentiment of the Black Lives Matter organization, whether you agree with that or not, they still don't have the right to come in and demand that you hold a fist up. So imagine if we as Christians walked into restaurants and demanded that people put their alcohol down. Or we demanded that they, uh, that they name Christ. We, we, we overwhelm screaming in a threatening posture and demand that they receive Christ. How, well do you, how would that play on the news if we did that? Or what if we as conservatives demand that they put on a MAGA hat, that we walk in there and we hand out MAGA hats and we demand that they put on a MAGA hat? How many of you would ever require anybody to put on any kind of a hat? You know, unless you're a coach. You know, this is your uniform. This is what you're going to wear. But other than that, that you, how many of you are recognizing the absurdity of this situation? And so, men, we have to decide if we're in that situation what are we going to do? Well, I'm certainly not doing this. If they, if they demanded that I bow to something, or if they, I walk in, if I'm in a place and they're demanding that I recite something, even if it's something that I agree with, it's not happening. You see, because we believe in individual soul liberty, we believe that it's wrong to coerce someone else's conscience. We don't do that. But we have to decide as a society... And our church is its own society. How are we going to behave in those moments? So, like, like in my situation where this guy assaults my son and he tries to assault me. You know, there are people that think that, oh, you're just supposed to, to stand aside. I promise you this. He's going to think twice about pushing another old man. And, and let me, listen. I, guys, I do not think I'm tough. There are enough big men in here that would demonstrate for me that I'm not, okay? That, that's not what this is about. I'm just, that's just not going to happen. And we as a culture, we have to decide how we are going to address these issues. Amen? You know, 50 years ago, you wouldn't have had to even make the decision. You know, there are just certain behaviors that wouldn't be tolerated. And uh, so these are things that, that we as a church that we, uh, I think it's helpful for the church for me to talk about these things out loud and, um, you know, as we travel, there's issues that are going to come up. And uh, now if your employer says you have to wear a mask, what do you have to do? You, you can quit. You have that choice. It's not, it's not really coercive. They have the authority to do that. Now, if you're in a position to do it, you try to give the guy the right information the, uh, so that they, they might not require some of those things. But uh, these, are, these are weird times. We need to pray for our country. I'm scared to death. I'm just telling you. 
I am scared to death of what would happen if uh, a, a Joe Biden administration happens. How many of you think that he is capable of being president mentally? Anybody think? How many of you doubt it? So who's going to be president? Kamala Harris. And what does she believe? Does anyone know? It changes so much, but I do know she hates us. So these are things we need to pray, we need to vote. I mentioned this morning that, um, you know, there are Christians that because they don't like the president's past, you know, his, his immoral behavior, um, which, who does? Anybody here for that? Anybody that, that's, no. Um, and they don't like his tweets or they don't like his personality, his braggadocia. Um, they don't like that. Uh, okay, don't like that. But like the hundred and some uh, judges that they've that he's put on the, the court, the embassy going to Jerusalem, the the economic well being that that because and, and he didn't he didn't create the jobs. He took away the regulation and the taxes and allowed the people to do the work, and it exploded. The formula works. The formula works. And um, so we need to pray. It's a, it's a dangerous and scary time. Oh, this is what I started to say. You know, there are people that would say, and Christians even, that would say because they don't like him, they can't vote for a pro-abortion uh, candidate, so they're just not going to vote. Well, that's, you understand that's the same thing as voting. I don't know if I can explain the math, but so let's say you have 100 people that vote for Biden and you have 80 people that vote for Trump because 21 Christians said they wouldn't vote. Who wins? I don't understand people. And we do have a say. And if all Christians will come together and vote properly, we need to try to get the... And, you know, I know we have... Our guys are great. You know, Jim Jordan and our, our, our guys are, are good. Um, but, man, we need to encourage our friends and people who live out of here. We need to get the, the house back. Just, it's vital. It's vital. So I wanted to just mention a few of those things tonight. And when when you're out among the... The liberals. Um, I mean, I'm glad. Aren't you glad we live in a community where people have more sense than this? It's it's a blessing. But how many of you know people that don't have sense like that? So let's just be prepared to answer them. Let's be prepared to talk about it. All right. Let's look at Psalm 119. Look at verse 41. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed." And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. And, of course, that's the verse that we have on the walls here. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in thy statutes. 
Uh, I addressed verse 46, but let's look at it again. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Um, so when, if you go back to verse 41, let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. When God gives grace, cowardice disappears. When, when you have genuinely experienced salvation from God and understand what it is, you can only testify. It, the cowardice goes away. Look at, hold your place here, go to Romans 10. All right, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be, what's that next word? Ashamed. And so if you're not ashamed, be bold. If you're not ashamed, be bold. When God gives grace, cowardice soon vanishes. When we speak before kings, if we speak God's testimonies, there is never reason to be ashamed. Let me read you what Spurgeon wrote. He who speaks for God in God's power will not be ashamed when beginning to speak, nor while speaking, nor after speaking. For his theme is one which is fit for kings, needful to kings, and beneficial to kings. If kings object, we may well be ashamed of them, but never of our master who sent us, or of his message, or of his design in sending it. Amen. When you speak the truth, there's no reason to be ashamed. There's no reason to be ashamed before you do it, while you're doing it, or after it's been done. And if someone rejects that truth, it says nothing about the truth, but it says a lot about the individual who refuses to receive the truth. And so what are we to do? Keep speaking the truth. <coughs> Keep doing it. It's COVID. Don't worry. Um, let's go on. Look at the next verse. Verse 47. So we're talking about these major themes that are in each of these verses. <clears throat> and here, delight and love. Delight and love. And so I want you to think about something. You know, for us, if I had the opportunity to speak with Governor DeWine, <clears throat> I would tell the, I'd tell him the truth. Why? Well, because we should tell the truth. Amen? But it's not really a very big risk. You know, maybe I would never have an opportunity to speak to him again. He'd say, keep that crazy preacher away from me. That's about the only penalty that I would get. Y'all, y'all follow what I'm saying? So speaking up in that situation isn't that big of a deal for me, but in David's time it was. So David going into Saul, how many of you think that he needed to be careful when he went in there? Oh yeah, how about the time he threw a spear at him? Right? It's a different situation than we have. And yet, it's, it's very similar now. Because if you speak up on social media, you'll be canceled. You could be if you had a large enough platform. They're going to stop your speech. 
There are some of you that if you spoke out on social media, you would have family cancel you. Your, your family would no longer allow you, how does it work? They would detweet you or they would unface you or, I, I don't know how it works. Block, they would block you. Um, and that can be kind of hurtful, right? You can pay a price. Uh, in certain corporations, if in your private speech they saw that you had the wrong political opinion, it might cost you your job. So while we really don't have personal, if I had a chance to speak to Joe Biden, I would I would speak to him and he would hear, but we're not sure what how that his mind is working at this particular moment. But other than no longer having access to him, it wouldn't cost me anything. But imagine if we get to the place where when I make bold statements about politics, they come in and say, we're going to remove your tax exemption. Are we going to stop speaking politically? No. No, we are not going to. Amen? We are not going to. And so this this concept of speaking the truth, again, me speaking to Governor DeWine would not take much courage, but you standing up for the Lord in certain situations will take courage. Amen? Are, are you with me on this? Um, there at West Coast Baptist College, they're, they're going to begin classes tomorrow. Well, they're not supposed to. It's, but it's a ministry of the church. It's under the church. The, the trustees of the college are the deacons of the church. It's a church ministry. Everything they do, it's, just, it's church ministry. It's training people. To, to go out and do work in the ministry. So they're going to have school. And they're probably going to be fined. And it's, it's going to be a big fight. That takes courage. Um, I, I appreciate John MacArthur's stand. It takes a little less courage for him because they got a ton of money at their church. So if they get fined $10,000, you know, eh, whatever. That's no big deal. You start getting fined $10,000 a day at a Christian college, man, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. It takes courage. Where does that courage come from? Look at this next verse. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. You see, the answer of where does the courage come? It comes from love. Love for God. Love for God's commandments. Love for God's word. When you love God's word, you have to speak it. When you love God's commandments, you have to defend them. So one of the commandments of God is forsake not the assembling, uh, the assembling of yourselves together. That's, that's one of God's commands. So what are we going to do? We're not going to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're going to get together. That's a command. I love that command. I love this church. I love you guys. It was so fun. I was messing around with the... What's your name? Ben and Isaac this morning. I love those guys. I love coming together. Laura said to me after church, aren't the McDermott's the most pleasant people? We love you guys. We love being, we miss you when we're gone. And I know you all feel the same way. When we were doing the uh, discipler training on Sunday nights, I had people saying, man, I can't wait for Sunday night to start up again. I, I can't, why? We love each other. 
We love being together, and we love that command that says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We love it. And so where does the courage from to stand and speak? It comes from love for God, love for God's word that exceeds our love of position or even often our job. Now, let me be very careful. It's not your job to go into Honda and start preaching on the line. That's not your job is to work while you're there. But if somebody asks you a reason of the hope that's in you, give them an answer in meekness and fear. Amen? But while you're working, work. That's, that's not your preaching place. That's your work place. And then after work, tell people about Jesus and live your life. And while you're at work, live out your life, your, your, your Christian life. Live out your faith. Let people see your faith by your hard work, your diligence, your respect for your bosses, the way that you carry yourself. Amen? See, this, this is where my, my courage to speak comes from my love for God. When I delight... In what God has told me to do, that's his commandments, the doing of those things becomes easy. When I love the things that God has commanded me to do, when I love that, then it's easy to do it. And, you know, we've all heard that, uh, find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Have you heard that statement? Now, if you can do that, that's great, but you still got to pay the bills. You know, if you love playing video games, those jobs are all taken. Right? So you can love what you do after work. But, and man, I praise God. I love what I do. I, I enjoy being able to prepare to preach and to study and to, to help people. I love that. And I get to do it so that the doing of that becomes easy. Okay? So where does the courage come? I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. The courage comes from there. And it's interesting. This is the first time in the psalm that love is expressly stated. So it's interesting that in this idea of speaking before kings and answering the reproachers and receiving mercy, that's where the idea of loving his word comes from. So let me ask you this. Do you love God's commandments? Do you love his word? And I'll say this. The older I get, the more I love his commandments. And here's why. They have become testimonies now. Y'all follow? You understand what I'm saying? So if I love my wife and I dwell with her according to knowledge, that's a command, right? How many of you men know it's a command to love your wife? And it's a command to dwell with her according to knowledge. So as I do that, the relationship grows and the home life improves, So what does that make me want to do? Love her more and understand her better so that the home life gets even better. You, you watch the benefit of it. So, and so what happens is when you see when the command turns into a testimony. Remember what we said about that. The command is obvious. That's what God has told us to do. The testimony is where I tell you how that command has, how obeying that command has worked out in my life. When that happens, then I can say, man, I just promise you, if you'll listen to God here, if you'll obey God here, I promise you life will get better. I promise you. I promise you. And it's interesting that here, the first time that love is used, look at verse 47, it's coupled with delight. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Man, have you ever been delighted? 
It just, you just, <laughs> you're excited. It's so cool. When in Colorado, uh, I, I, I could do a slideshow, show you pictures, but we found this drive up Loveland Pass and we pulled off onto this little parking area that we didn't even know was there. And there were trails and we walked out and it was some of the best views we'd ever seen in Colorado. And you can't imagine, you're at 11,000 feet and there's these these bowls, you know, these the, these mountains where there's a lake in the bottom and it makes this bowl and the unbelievable sky above. And I've just got to tell you, we were delighted. Just We said, I can't believe we've never seen this before. It's amazingly beautiful. Um, the We got together with the family, with Michelle and her husband and some others, and that morning at their cabin up on the side of a mountain. And are you guys about 9,000 feet also? Is that about where you are? 8,500? They got up that morning and two bull elk were fighting out in their yard. How many of you would love to see that? Were you guys delighted about that? Isn't that, oh, you didn't see it? You saw pictures, you missed it. She was sleeping. Folks, see what happens when you sleep too long? This is, you, you miss the delight of your life. Um, these things, they're, de- they're delightful. I can't believe I got to see that. That's fantastic. One time we saw uh, a deer chasing a coyote. We were driving out of Rocky Mountain National Park. And that coyote started chasing that deer, and that deer decided to chase him. That was pretty cool. That was that was awesome to see. I don't know what he was going to do when he caught him. I don't have any idea. But one of my goals for this study, for our church and for me personally, is for that kind of delight to come from God's word. That kind of joy to come from what I have seen, what I have learned, and then what I have lived and the result of living that and the benefit and the blessing. And when I recognize that delight and that joy and that love, that'll give me courage to speak the truth and to testify. Remember what it says in verse 46. I will speak of thy, what's it say? Testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. And notice it's his testimonies. So the experiences that God tells us in his word that Jesus Christ lived, that's what I need to speak to the kings. I need to speak that, speak the truth. Look at verse 48. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. What's repetition? It's volume control, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. So the the thought in this verse, the, the, the main thought, the big thought, and I mentioned there was one in each of these, is meditate. And so what does it mean to meditate? There's a part of it, it talks about lifting up your hands. Lifting up your hands. Uh, Spurgeon said, where holy hands and holy hearts go, the whole man will one day follow. And so the idea of meditating is, uh, I'm saying, God, here, here's my hands. Or even like a little child who they see that you've got a treat, and what does the the child do? They they put their hands up. I, I, I want this. Or what's even better, and I know you grandparents love this, you go... And the, the little toddler comes over and they they put up their hands because they want you to pick them up because they're excited to see you. When we lift our hands 
It can be saying, God, my hands are empty. It could be, I, I love you. Or it can be excitement. You know, you're at a ball game and you're just, you're excited. But th- that idea of lifting th- that posture in prayer. And you're saying, God, I need something from you. Or you're, it's, this is so exciting. I love this. Or I love you. Will you hold me? I, I, that lifting your hands. And it, that in conjunction with meditating, thinking about it, giving it your whole heart and extending your spirit to the reception of it. David here in the text, you can tell he can never have enough meditation. So I want you to see how this meditation happens. Look at where it is in this section, in this this stanza. So the first thing that we have in verse 41 is we ask for mercies and salvation. And then the next verse, we're able to answer the reproachers and trust in the word. And then we can speak the truth and hope in God's judgments in verse 43. And then in verse 44, now we can keep the law as we talked about this morning. And then in verse 45, now I have the capacity to walk at liberty. I'm free. I'm free. And the, the next thing that we're able to do when we understand liberty, now we're going to speak the truth to kings. If we were, if, if we loved bondage, we would never have to speak to the king. But now we're willing to speak the truth. So now we can keep the law, now we can walk in liberty, and now we can speak before kings and not be ashamed. We will then, after we have demonstrated the courage to speak the truth, then we really understand how much we love God's word. Amen? And once that's established, now I'm ready to meditate. It's interesting. The people that have um, fought the most for God, those who have earnestly contended for the faith, we read Brother Fagali's letter Wasn't that awesome? We don't want to pay the taxes. How about we build a Christian school for you? It's just fantastic. I love it. And when you talk to him and you you see him teach to these men, his understanding of the Bible and how to apply it to those situations, what does that demonstrate? Well, he's had the courage to stand before kings, hasn't he? He loves God's word. And now he truly knows how to meditate on it. And ask him. And now notice what the question is. Look at what it says in verse 48. My hands also will I lift up unto what? Thy commandments. Notice, you know, what we have is you go to the Christian bookstore and you see the Bible Promises book. Have you ever seen that? Do they have a Bible Commandments book? Let me answer. No. See, we love the promises. And aren't you glad you can love the promises that God has given you? But if you really understand that his commandments are only good for you and for those around you, then you'll love them too. And that's when you'll lift up your hands to, not the promises, to the commandments. To the commandments. Then, look, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. What are the statutes? The rules. We try to run away from the rules. We need to meditate in those rules. Here's what happens. You've been through the fight. You've received the mercy. The mercies. You've received the mercies. You've received the salvation. You have the truth in your mouth. You've been willing to stand. You have the courage to speak the truth. Answer the reproachers. Have all that going on. And after the fight, 
you sit down and you say, I wonder what this rule's about. I wonder why God made this rule. And here's what you would ask. How is this rule good for me? Not, why can't I? But, why can't I? I wonder why I shouldn't do that. Isn't that good? You guys aren't nearly excited about this enough. You don't love this word. I can tell. Isn't that good? God, why'd you make that rule? Why am I, why am I not supposed to do that? Amen? So what's the progression? Ask for mercies and salvation. Answer the reproachers and trust in the word. Speak the truth. Hope in God's judgments. Now we can keep the law. Now we can walk in liberty. We can speak before kings and not be ashamed. We will then delight in his commandments and love them. Now I am ready to truly meditate in his statutes. How many of you really want to know how to meditate? Seriously. You want to... Do you see this progression, this maturity that comes when you love his word, you delight in it? What's that rule for now? God, what are you teaching me here? Wouldn't it be fun if you find something out for yourself this week that by looking in God's statutes? Let's love his word. Amen? Some of us love the fight. Some of us don't love the fight. We're all supposed to fight. But more than the fight, we need to love his word. Amen? I love it. Grace Baptist people, the reason you come here is you love the fight. But let's love his word. Let's try to meditate in his statutes. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for liberty and freedom. Help us to defend it. Thank you that you placed us in this country and you've given us this responsibility. But certainly beyond any kind of patriotism, beyond any kind of civic duty, is our love for you and your word.